Because my Quito, Ecuador trip got canceled due to high numbers of COVID in South America, I went on kayak and Expedia spent about two hours looking for flights for deals from Raleigh. And I found a round trip from Charlotte to Denver for $1.99 on American nonstop. So I picked Denver and, you know, switched that out from Quito, Ecuador, which is put on hold and went out to Denver with a friend, Tyler Clark. He's been on another episode before. And we went to Boulder, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Vail, Colorado. And we went down to Colorado Springs to see Garden of the Gods, which is really something everybody should see. It's like Sedona, Arizona, in front of the Rocky Mountains, Pikes Peak. So in four and a half days, we saw a lot and the weather was perfect. Only one afternoon hailstorm in Colorado Springs. Uh, the prices were okay, especially if you do upfront research on hotels. Traffic, easy to get around, wide open lanes, and the best drivers I've ever seen. Now, you compare anybody to the drivers in the triangle, they're going to be the best you've ever seen. But these people really were. They were great drivers. So if you're ever looking to go anywhere in the country to a place that is absolutely beautiful, you got to go to Colorado. There's so much to see, and I had been there three times prior, I think just in the winter, though. I've never been in late May, early June, and that's really the time to go. It is absolutely incredible. So I have Tyler Clark uh, on the podcast with me to go over our trip, talk about some geology that I'm interested in. He does a great job explaining uh, the Go Garden of the Gods rocks, the Pikes Peaks, the Rocky Mountains, kind of the layout of all the geology out there. The flat irons, which are really popular out in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So uh, I'm here with Tyler and uh, we're going to summarize the uh, trip that we got back from about two weeks ago and hope you enjoy. Okay, here with Tyler Clark, and recently got back from a trip out to Denver and Boulder and Cheyenne and Colorado Springs. And how did how did we decide on Boulder? I know my trip to Ecuador got put off because of COVID, and we were talking, and then next thing I know, I'm on kayak looking to go out west. It's where it had the cheapest and the we cheapest got, tickets. And a 199 round trip was pretty cheap. That was really cheap, and we could uh, fly direct from Charlotte out to, to Denver. That same flight from Raleigh had another 450. And we saw that flight, because it went from Raleigh to Charlotte. We just got on, and we were lucky to upgrade first class for under 100 bucks too. Yeah, so the... The price was the was the determining factor yeah. on this particular trip. Well, I'm glad it turned out to be Denver because it was nicer than I, I thought. I had been there three times before, but it was like I'd never been there. Right. And the weather was, was perfect. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. Yeah. It so, only, only rained one day. And hailed. Well, yeah, a little ice. A little ice. <laughs> I had no idea. We hail. saw snow up in Vail, and yeah. uh, it was just a great trip. 
So our first day we got to uh, Colorado, we spent in Boulder. And uh, the downtown area, Pearl Street, is very uh, tourist-friendly. It's easy to get around. Had a great lunch, Mexican lunch. I had a massive um, what did I, what was it, a uh, pizza a, or? Uh, open face quesadilla. God, it was literally the size of about two by, two feet by two feet, but it was as thin as paper. It was still filling. Yeah. I had fish tacos. Those That's were good too. what you had. Yeah. I was trying to envision. It looked good. I just uh, don't eat fish tacos. We had a great waitress too. Her name was um, from Sweden. Elsa. Or, Elsa, there we go. So that was our first day, kind of walked around, walked a three-mile hike uh, across Boulder so I could find a uh, Starbucks to add to my collection. I had to have a Colorado mug. And then um, what else did we do that day other than kind of walk around? I think just kind of relaxed and took in Boulder. Saw the flat rocks for the first time, or the flat irons. The flat irons, yeah. And um, by the way, what are those again? <laughs> those are the, the kind of the iconic symbol of, of Boulder. They're this uh, series of rock formations uh, right along the, the front range. Boulder sits right at the beginning of the Rocky Mountain Range. And when the Rocky Mountains were, were uplifted geologically, it tilted some of the flat-lying sandstones that are underneath Boulder up on their ends. And then they were eroded away into the shape of these triangular kind of like peaks and the uh, old timers there said they look like like irons like the the flat surface the hot surface of an iron these flat ramps that are kind of pointed at the top and they've become kind of the the iconic uh, symbol of, of boulder you see it on t-shirts and coffee mugs and things like that so we went there's a little park there and we, we uh, went out to that park and just walked around some of the trails you can go right up and climb all around those we didn't we didn't do that because we were running out of time that well, particular day. Well, uh, to be honest with you, it looked a little high for me to walk. Yeah. Well, you don't you hike up the side of them or anything. No, I mean, even walking to the base looked to, looked to, <laughs> looked to be a little too much. So, um, yeah, the flat irons were really beautiful. Kind of the, the when you saw them coming in from either the airport or from Cheyenne, you knew that you were back in Boulder. So very iconic. And I never knew what they were. So... Thanks for the explanation. Sure. Um, next day we went to another, I won't say country, but I will say state, and that was Wyoming. And uh, we went to Cheyenne, which I had been uh, a couple years ago, but it felt like literally another country. And not just because of the culture and no one was wearing masks, but it just it had that real western small town cowboy you're in the really deep west feel. And um, we spent a lot of time, had good, good diner experience. Mm -hmm. um, but you went and saw a, um, I guess, a train depot. And why is that significant for Cheyenne? Yeah, you, uh, Cheyenne was basically founded by the Union Pacific Railroad that was trying to find a route for a, a northern route for the Transcontinental Railroad to, to go from the East Coast to the West Coast. And it became a major um, depot for Union Pacific Railway for working on their trains, uh, for switching them out, doing maintenance. And uh, that was a big coal run between Ogden, Utah, and Cheyenne. That's where they were moving coal back and forth. Um, so they have restored the old uh, turn-of-the-century depot there and turned it into a museum. They have a model railway exhibit up on the second floor that's, that's really nice. 
Um, and they have a lot of old train mem memorabilia on, on display that you can go see. Um, and th it's just a, a really nice uh, a way to preserve the history of that area there. Um, it's right in the middle of downtown, which isn't much of a downtown. That's the no. one thing that surprised me. Cheyenne's the state capital of Wyoming. And downtown, there probably wasn't a building more than six stories tall anywhere. Yeah. No, no high rises, no office buildings. The, the, probably the tallest thing in Montana is the state capitol. Not, not Montana, Wyoming, yeah, in, in Cheyenne. You could park for free, walk around easy. Um, you know, I won't live there, but it was nice to visit for sure. You got all, it got me all excited too when you walked out and you said they got a big boy here, and I was thinking Frisch's in Cincinnati, the big boy hamburgers. But you were, <laughs> you were talking about the train, big boy, and being a train lover. What's the, what was why was that such a thing to see? Yeah, that was um, that was kind of the highlight of, of shine for me. I am a, a train fan. I've always loved trains and model railways. Uh, Union Pacific, uh, right before the Second World War needed a, um, a a strong locomotive, a steam locomotive, this is back during the steam locomotive days, to get over the mountains. And so they um, got a company out in Pennsylvania to build a new locomotive, and it turned out to be the largest steam locomotive ever produced in the world. They ordered 25 of them, and they're called Big Boys. And uh, they're 312 feet long and weigh over a million pounds. And of the 25 that were built, there's only eight left in the world. The rest of them have either been destroyed, crashed, or, or stripped down and scrapped. So there's only eight of these, the largest steam locomotive ever built in the world. It's still in existence. And one of them is in a park in Cheyenne, and they have it on static display. And they somehow got this giant locomotive. They probably built a temporary railroad to get it there. And you can go and you can see this thing, and it is truly a sight to behold how monstrous this machine is that has um, wheels that are taller than than, than a human being on it. Um, so they were like seven feet tall. Oh yeah, they were at least six, seven feet in diameter, those, yeah. those, 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 those wheels on that locomotive. And uh, it's just neat to see that that kind of history is being preserved um, so people can understand that travel and transportation not in this last century were a lot different than it is today. You know, we've gone from the area of steam locomotives to electric locomotives to diesel locomotives. And, you know, rail travel is not a big thing here in the United States as it is in other parts of the world. Um, but it's, it's nice to see that, that kind of stuff being preserved and not just thrown away and scrapped. Were all those big boys actually in the United States, or you said around the world? Did they get sent to other countries? They're all in the United States. Okay. Yeah, those those locomotives don't get, go far. They have to stay on the rails that they're yeah. they're built on. Um, yeah, there's 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 only eight of them left, and they were all working for Union Pacific, and their main job was hauling coal through the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Wow. They were so big, they had to have special gears in them so they could make the sharp turns of the railway and. Somewhat disconcerting for some people is the actual part of the boiler would, would cantilever out over the side of the curve, and it looks like the train's coming apart, but that's just the way that they were built. Wow. Yeah, that was definitely very impressive. When you described it, I, you, you nailed it to a T. They're big. They're real big. Yeah, they got their name when, when the first one came off the line. One of the people working there in the plant took a piece of chalk and wrote Big Boy on the side of the train, and... The name stuck, and that's really? what they've been called ever since, yeah. Wow. 
So I got my mug in Wyoming, and then we were on our way back to... We uh, did find a Starbucks in Wyoming. Yeah, it was, that was a big surprise, but they did have one. Yeah. Uh, nobody was wearing a mask in Wyoming. Everybody was wearing one in Colorado. And um, I asked the lady at the counter of the museum that you were touring um, if they ever had a mask mandate, and she looked up at me and gave me a look of disgust. I don't want to talk about it, she said. So... I knew it was time to leave Wyoming, and uh, we headed back to Colorado. And the next day, we drove into the Rockies, and um, we ended up at the famous resort ski resort town of Vail, Colorado. And again, I had been there before, but I didn't remember, number one, how big it was, and number two, how exact it felt to be back in Europe. And you could just walk around Vail. They had free parking. They had unbelievable little restaurants around. It started to get busy as we were there. And what a place to either travel alone or go with a friend or take a family and spend the day in a resort town in the summer. Vail was amazing. And I told you that uh, when we look back and talk about this trip, you'd probably say as we sat out at that restaurant, this was my favorite part of the trip because it was just perfect. Sitting out eating. It Vail. was like being at a little cafe in Europe somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's a, it was the off season. There wasn't a lot of tourists there because it's a ski town and it was the middle of, uh, well, it was May, late May. Yeah, it was, and, it's spring for them, but it's not ski season. Right, but it, it's not full summer season yet. So they were in, kind of in that shoulder season transitioning between winter and summer. And all the architecture, of course, is made to look like an alpine ski town. So it, I, I lived in Germany for two years, and I felt right at home. I was like, "Wow, this looks like it's right out of, right out of, right out of Germany." And there was a little shop that had uh, gelato, and I got some wonderful gelato, and um, we had a great. Great lunch and easy to walk around. Yeah, they had a river right through it. People were kayaking and pedestrian friendly. You found a great shop downtown, a rock shop. Oh yeah, I, the, the geologist in me was very happy. I, there was a mineral museum uh, shop there, which was very nice. I like that one piece, that blue. Uh, some guy bought it, but it was still there. To, I don't know what type of rock it was, but it was like fifteen thousand dollars. Oh yeah, big fluorite. Oh, uh, beautiful. Geode. Unfortunately, he's going to keep it outside, she said. Yeah, that's just a dumb idea, but, <laughs> you know, a fool and their money are soon soon parted. So you and the owner kind of got along in terms of your uh, geology talk and probably spent about 30 minutes in there and drove back to uh, Boulder and then... Beautiful scenery with the snow-capped mountains. There was still lots of snow on the upper peaks. Yeah, and you also noticed all the mine shafts going on between... Gold and silver. Yeah. yeah. There were all kinds of old mine workings in that area. That's what made Colorado famous to begin with is all the gold and silver mining that yeah. took place there. And lead. There was lead mining there, too. Are those... Are, were those mines still in operation? No, no they're okay. all abandoned. All that, all that's shut down well, now. I wonder why they still are on the side of the road like that. Why haven't they like covered them up, moved them, closed them down? Just history. Yeah, just. I it, guess that's what tourists want to see. Yeah, it has probably has to do with the regulations, and I'm sure that some of them of the you can't just go wander into them. Yeah. Um, but um, 
Yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of the little small towns that did have mines there have turned them into tourist attractions, yeah. and you can stop and pan for gold and yeah. all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a nice, um, quick, and very scenic day trip um, from uh, from our home base there in Boulder. So we went back to Boulder, and then our last day probably was my most exciting day because I wasn't prepared for Garden of the Gods. <laughs> no never, one is. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been to Sedona, but to see a piece of what you see in Sedona in front of the Rocky Mountains with snow, um, you know, I would put that in the top five categories of the Alps, of what we saw in Machu Picchu with the Andes. Uh, you can't beat that scenery. The red rock with the sun, with the snow in the mountains. Yeah, the Pikes Peak back in the in the background no was idea. snow covered, and and again, just like the Flatirons when the when the Rocky Mountains were created there, the the brightly colored red and orange and and kind of an off white sedimentary sandstones were flipped up on their end, yeah. and they formed these fins that just erosion has uh, sculpted into these kind of rounded. Um, big geological formations that stick up out of the ground and it got the name Garden of the Gods over 100 years ago. And from the visitor center, well, yeah, you're right, with the snow-capped uh, Pikes Peak in the background there, it was picture perfect. And a lot of tourists, a lot of traffic, but there's parking for everybody. And the best thing is these parks are free. These parks, you don't pay to park. You don't and pay to get in at Garden of the Gods. In, yeah. When the original owner donated it to the city of Colorado Springs, he he asked them that it should be free and open to the public forever. And the town has honored that. And he gave them the land and said, let people enjoy it for free. And still to this day, it's it's I think one of those travel companies, Travelocity or something, has their users have voted it the number one best park in the United States to visit. Really? And um, I can see why. Everybody's yeah. hiking, walking the trails. We must have seen five or six rock climbers, mm-hmm. uh, some with ropes, some without ropes. There was I some mean, horseback riding horseback going on. Horseback riding. And um, if we would have stuck around another couple hours, we probably would have been hit by lightning. Oh, a big storm came in. Yeah, that was a smart move on our part. Yeah, so we spent probably two hours there and got some really great pictures and videos of Garden of the Gods. I put one of the videos of one of the rock climbers on my YouTube channel. And, you know, I don't get a lot of hits on YouTube, but this one I have 950 views already. So people are definitely interested in rock climbing. Or I don't know how everybody's looking at that one. Maybe that'll go viral. Who knows? But I pan from a distance and you just see this tiny little speck. And then I pan in and you see him like in the middle of this rock. I don't know how they do that. I would never do that. So anyways, um, our last day as well, we met some friends that uh, Tyler knew from Raleigh. And um, what was her name again? Amelia. Amelia. She uh, told us that Colorado Springs is famous for hailstorms. And uh, sure enough, a half hour after she said that, it got real dark and it started raining and hailing. Of course, we had a rental car, so I looked out. They were just pea-sized hail balls. But um, north of us, up towards Boulder and Fort Collins, they were getting golf ball size hail. And how we know that, other than the news, 
was when I returned the rental car the next day, the guy asked us how the trip was. And he says, so you weren't up in Fort Collins and Boulder? And I said, well, not yesterday. We were in Colorado Springs. He goes, well, those cars were. And you could see... And he talked about the damage, the windows and everything. Ping pong ball size hailstones. Ping, yeah, ping pong. Yeah, it looked like somebody took a hammer and just yeah. smashed the car. And I didn't realize that uh, Colorado gets hailstorms as frequently as that. So I don't know what new car dealerships do with all their cars. Yeah, keep them underground, keep them indoors. I guess. So uh, I can tell you, you know, it was a trip of being there four days, um, but we did a lot. We did a lot in four days. And we had perfect weather. If you find deals... Now, Colorado isn't the cheapest place I've gone. But if you spend the time on kayak, or... I always use kayak, but Expedia Orbits. And when I talk about time looking for flights and hotels, you will find deals that will shock you. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of money. So if you put in the time on searching on kayak... You can find hotels for under a hundred a night, rental cars for fifty bucks a day, and if you don't spend the time looking, you'll pay double to triple that amount. Mm. So, this yeah. is a place I recommend going for people. Number one, who feel they don't want to leave the country, or number two, um, just you know don't have a passport. Number three, just don't want to you know spend the money to go abroad even though there's some countries that you could go a lot cheaper than Denver. So I recommend going to Denver. I would live in Denver, in Boulder. Um, personally, I still like the Triangle more, but this is a place I could see myself living in the United States. It's clean. Uh, the people are calm. What was really interesting to me was the drivers. Nobody was in a hurry. Everybody, the most aggressive driver by far was me. Yes. And I, <laughs> and I was being very careful. Everybody had turn signals. Um, you know, I did cut in front of somebody last minute going five miles per hour at a stoplight, and he laid on his horn for a long time. So that tells me people don't do that. So anyway, people are calm. It's easy to get around. The roads are in great shape. Um, beautiful scenery. If you're looking to travel... This is a place you need to go. So anything else you can talk about with the trip? Overall, scale of 1 to 10? Would go back. Five stars would yeah. go back. Yeah, I give it a, I give it a 9.7. So uh, think about going to Denver, Boulder, Wyoming, even a great place. I appreciate talking to you. It was a fun trip. Sure, yeah. I look forward to the next adventure. All right, man. Take care. All right. You've been listening to Let's Talk Wake Tech Travel. My name's Jeff Myers. The next episode will actually take place in another country. I am leaving for Tbilisi, Georgia, and going to do a day trip over to Armenia on the 14th of June through the 21st. So I will uh, hopefully be uh, in a position to interview a person or two about Georgia, an absolutely beautiful country. So you want to stay tuned for that one coming up on Let's Talk Wake Tech Travel.